No derby like an A595 derby. Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle, a podcast focused on the trials and tribulations of Cal United Football Club. From Terry Caldwell to Alfred Agar and Gavin Skelton to Jimmy Shankly, we've got it covered. This is episode 10 and we're going to be looking ahead to this weekend's game against Barrow, looking back at the Scunthorpe United defeat, as well as a general news roundup and a look at what ex-Blues have been getting up to. For this episode, I'm joined by my regular co-host, Dan McLennan. Dan, how's it gone and do you know what that connects all those players? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. I'm going to guess some sort of Barrow connection. Indeed it is. So they're all players who've played for both Carlisle and for Barrow. Um, some interesting ones. And obviously Tel- Terry Caldwell's a, a legendary Carl United name, having made over 300 f- appearances for the club. Uh, Alfred Agar actually played in the first ever Carl United Football League team. Um, Gavin Skelton obviously has been at both clubs and is assistant manager at the club now. And uh, Jimmy Shankly is brother of Bill I was just going to say, I'm pretty sure he's uh, Bill's brother. Well, there's four brothers, weren't they? I think mm. or five, maybe, I think it was. And they all played professional football in some way, which is quite incredible when you look back at it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you're, you're keeping quite well then, Dan? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, looking forward to this weekend. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Okay, so well, uh, let's get straight back into it then, Dan. Um, first up, we've got a general news roundup and some of the things that have happened over the last week or so. So we'll start off and we'll just kick off with the big one is the financial implications for the football league um particularly interesting because uh, john nixon Carl united uh, part owner uh, one of our directors he's been particularly quiet over the last couple of years hasn't he he's uh piped up in the last week with a few uh, stories on the official website talking about the financial implications for not just for Carl united but for the efl generally hasn't he yeah, it's uh, quite interesting because obviously he gave his view both from a Carlisle United perspective as well as an EFL perspective. So it was actually, fair, fair play to him, it was actually, I think it was over four parts. If I think it's finished now, you know what the club are like, there might be another bit of peers, but uh, it was quite detailed and it sort of carries on the theme we've had over the summer of lots of info from those at the top tables you know so fair play to him for once yeah you've got to give him credit he's, it's 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 an interesting two things he said i've picked out some of the key points i think that we can discuss here so first of all one of the key things he said there was that league two last season the decision to end the season was quite a unanimous one wasn't it and he was pretty proud of that and i think we we actually did say at the time that league two deserved a lot of credit for just saying you know what it's it's just not sensible for us to carry on here there was a big difference in League One and Nixon did actually point out the fact that you had clubs like your Sunderland's and your Portsmouth's who are big clubs and there was a lot riding on it for them. So they weren't keen on the season ending, were they? Yeah, and I remember when, when this all happened, uh, we commented on, was it Port Vale 
who were eighth yeah. in league. Port Vale two. and Bradford were the two, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and Port Vale especially. You know, they were yeah. literally a couple of one, two points off with mm. a decent fixture list left. And uh, you know, the Port Vale owner was heartbreaking at making the vote, but said no, it's the right thing. You know, it's uh, the thing. It's actually worked into their favour. You could argue because they haven't had that sort of disappointment of potentially going out in the playoffs or losing that form, and they've they've basically just picked up that form and carried into this season, haven't they? Really? Yeah, so, definitely. I know. I know. We sort of said uh, the team that could possibly do something so yeah no yeah so obviously there's that um the, the word that came out of it that was probably a bit frightening was the words armageddon wasn't it he said the armageddon situation is quite close for the football league and the fact that the payments received so far from the premier league are advances they're not additional payments are they so down the line that's the bit that's going to cause an issue for us isn't it? yeah I, f- I think i think what was sort of agreed was the advance payments were to sort of tide clubs over, knowing that come October they would have fans back in and have a revenue stream. Obviously, other things have happened since, as we know and have discussed, with the fans not coming in. It's a, you know, that's probably the major sort of money stream that's been uh, yeah. that's been dented. So. Yeah, it's 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 pretty clear from Nixon's words that. There is a big issue down the line now for football league clubs. Um, he mentioned that Prem might give some cash to help, but he doesn't think they're obviously going to give the full two hundred million that's needed. Um, but there's no guarantee. Nixon's hoping it'll be a, a grant rather than a loan, but there's no guarantee of that. Um, and obviously, as anything, when the Premier League helps out the EFL, help in inverted commas there. Um, there's going to be conditions on that. And the one that interesting that was in the Times this week I saw was that um, the talk is they want the EFL to back their push for a particular set of quotas for foreign players uh, post-Brexit. That was one thing that I thought was interesting. Yeah, but while something like that doesn't maybe affect us as much, it's going to be, the devil's going to be in the detail when it comes yeah. to... FA Cup replays, League Cup. I, I, the league, a lot, lot of people realise that the winners of this season's League Cup mm-hmm. don't even qualify for the Europa League next season. They qualify for the what's going to be the new Europa Conference League, which is essentially the third tier of European competition. So the the big clubs, they're just not going to be interested in it. I know I've said previously we're the only... Uh, country of the big five as they call it to still yeah. have a league cup yeah. and i can just see the league cup going the way of the trophy you know possible sort of can we play our under 23s in it you know or does it get to the point where you just scrap it all together and make a competition just for football league clubs might be the solution again something that i've championed in over the summer previously you know yeah. I, I think i think eventually that's how it could go but the other one as well uh, obviously there's no replays in the fa cup this season premier league clubs prefer playing league football on a weekend because they make more money simple yeah. as yeah and, and, it's, and, it, and it's not from the british market they're making the money it's from the foreign market and yeah, particularly yeah. kickoff times That's and I, instead of having fa cup games on a saturday and a replay midweek it would be no surprise if a lot of the rounds of the fa cup went midweek in time and i could maybe see the third round staying on a saturday because that's yeah. the traditional big round yeah. but but again i mean the traditionalist in people would say oh no no but done rightly 
it could make success. Competitions evolved, don't they? That's the thing. The yeah, Cup yeah. is now is not the same as it was in the, ni- yeah. the 1800s and stuff like that. And I think I agree with you. If you can keep the third round and maybe the fourth round on Saturday, does it really matter that much that the fifth and the sixth round go midweek when not as many lower league teams are going to be involved anyway? That That's the question you may be asked there. I, suppose, I, I think one, one thing this whole uh, COVID-19 pandemic has done, it's obviously... It, it started getting people asking questions about football, especially the money in the game. Mm. And there's a massive, massive chance for the football authorities to get together and slightly reset the game. But yeah. whether, whether, whether they take that opportunity when most of them are just, you know, it's all about self-preservation, sadly, with a lot of the yeah. big clubs. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out in the next few weeks. Definitely. Next point I picked out was... Uh, quite an interesting one, quite slightly more reassuring for Carla fans is that we aren't quite as close to the edge as other clubs are because we've had a particularly good financial year thanks to the Branford deal and other deals, which I presume are McCarran, Galloway, um, obviously the Henderson money we're getting. And I think there was a lad who went to Newcastle as well, maybe in the last well, year or I, two. So. I, I was having to think about this uh, when I saw this because it's and a the thing money as well, obviously. Yeah. yeah, it's a thing that sort of stood out on the page instantly to me. And... He's talking about the last financial year, which ended at the end of June, pretty much, where most of those deals, the Branthwaite well, would have been... money we haven't got yet, have we? From yeah, year, so. I, I think the Branthwaite will have just made it, and the, if we have these Leeds promotion clauses, they will have. The Henderson money will be on this season's accounts, so that won't, that won't even be done yet. Well, you the know. Branthwaite appearance money will be this season as well, won't they? Because they didn't happen until June or July, did they? Those yeah, games? yeah. So, so that'll be them. I mean, them. I, I know the club are always coy to reveal exact figures and, you know, the, the sort of claim that it's because the other clubs don't want to, the, mm. the information released. But come, come the early next year, when the accounts up to the end of June come out... There's got to be one big line for income received, transfer related. And, yeah. you know, we'll sort of be able to take a rough estimate and piece in it together how much it is. But it's obviously quite a strong, strong line in the accounts, mm. isn't it? So. Yeah. But you don't want a lot of money to disappear just to tide us over for this year, really, do you? No, That's no, no. But, no. but yeah. Um, the other thing, a couple more things. Uh, recent issues at Orient and Walsall show the need for further COVID-19 testing in the EFL, but there is big cost implications for this, isn't there? That's that's the thing that comes out of that, and there's probably going to be discussions over the next few weeks as to how that worked. There's some interesting talk there about how the testing worked and the fact that they could get free testing some ways, but the EFL wouldn't accept those tests or something. That was, yeah, I, I know, also curious. saw there was uh, there was a snippet on Sky Sports News last night that I think in future, in cup ties, Premier League teams have all agreed to pay for testing of any EFL opponents, so say we get say we get to the third round of the FA Cup and draw Liverpool, Liverpool would pay for our testing. Yeah, yeah, but didn't Hull refuse to take the test that West Ham offered to pay for? Again, yeah, so Orient did the right thing, and then they ended up getting kicked out of the competition. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if they'll, they'll maybe sort of pass some sort of rule where you've got to or you can't play. You know. Yeah. Yeah, but obviously there's there's risk there that you know once a certain number of games start getting postponed, you know how much of a joke does the competition become for the year? That that's where there's another problem. Yeah, um, definitely. The, and the final point was uh, there was a brief bit about the uh, Edmund Woolamill succession stuff. Uh, he was very coy on this, wasn't he? He didn't really give any way, but the the way he was talking was if 
there are future plans for this to happen at some point. It wasn't wasn't very clear, was it? It was sort of fudged almost. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I think that's that's probably slightly longer game at the moment. I mean, I know, I know Philip Dane, EWM have been in the news recently. He's possibly looking at selling part or all of it, but. Uh, I think I think that's slightly longer game stuff, but we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's covered the uh, financial implications stuff. Let's move on to a few little bits of other news. There's no transfer news at the moment. It's gone very quiet. We've still got another couple of weeks before the transfer window shuts, haven't we? So be interesting to see what happens there. Um, the first bit of news, a bit of sad news, really. We got, uh, it was after we recorded last week, wasn't it? Actually, this came out is uh, the passing of uh, Pete Hampton. Um, great club servant, wasn't he, Danny? He was at uh, the club for many years. Um, Started, he was born in Oldham, but started uh, out playing at Leeds United. Actually, play, he was on the bench in a European Cup final, wasn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, then he st- spells it, uh, probably his most successful spell was at Stoke, but he also was at Burnley. He was played up in that Burnley side that avoided relegation to the uh, conference, didn't he? In the 80s, I think it was. Um, then he was at Rochdale, and then came, ended his playing career at United, then took over as physio. Um, he was actually the one who gave Dolly his first job, didn't he, as, a, as his assistant? Um and obviously Dolly took over and became our long-term physio until this summer. Um, he also had a spell managing Workington during the incredible 1998-99 season. Yeah, it was quite quite a successful manager for Workington. Yeah, wasn't I, think, it? I think they won something like their last 12 games in a row. And that was the only way they could have won the league and gone up. Yeah, yeah. And obviously Paul Stewart was playing for them back then, Grant Hall, and a few ex-Carlo players like George Dixon. I remember being in nets for them, big lad he was. Um yeah, so he left Workington in 2001 and then he started working in physiotherapy at Cumberland Infirmary. And he still did help out at Carlisle on occasions, I think with the youth team particularly. Yeah, um, I, think, I think he did a bit with the academy and the youth team. Uh, yeah, yeah. But no, definitely sad news. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm sure the club will uh, remember him in uh, their own way. Yeah, it's when, one of these... When they're able to. Yeah, it's, it's like the John Courtney thing, wasn't it? The, the club did say that there'll be a minute silence, I think, once... Um, fans are allowed back at games rather than you know having to wait whatever so yeah ho- hopefully we'll get get the chance to show our respects at a game sooner rather than later you have a few bits um, interesting one come out from uh, Chris Beach this morning in the uh, interviews ahead of the Barrow game is uh, Jack Armour's had a growth spurt <laughs> he grown <laughs> a couple of inches and he was a big lad as it was wasn't he he was quite a tall lad he's, so. I mean he, he's a left back but he's a very tall left back he is very tall I think he's going to move into centre back in time because yeah. you don't the modern game you don't get really really tall full backs do you? Oh, they'll get moving to midfield eventually, um, possibly, based, possibly yeah. based on what Beach likes to do. But, well, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, uh, and obviously quickly touch on these two facing the crowd tomorrow. So that's something that the uh, kiosk guys have been. Um, putting together so it's one of these things where you get your cut out of you in the crowd um i'm sure they will be sifting them to pick out the uh the rum characters that people try to get through in that um i'm not sure who we'll, we'll be trying to get ourselves in there dan but um interesting one uh and obviously just a quick one for you here dan an update on cusgg sorry cusg memorabilia search there's been a few more additions to that hasn't there yeah i've uh, had, had a, a couple more uh drop-offs and pickups. i'm actually meeting a, a fella in a car park who uh <laughs> to get a load of older stuff and uh i've been sort of sorting through ready for dropping down to the club when it's safe to do so and we're really getting a good back collection of programs mm. for the club uh, we've also got a lot of uh videos old united videos yeah. uh 
Uh, just give a quick shout to Jeff Jackson, who many people know as the Carlisle programme man. He's been converting a lot of these to DVD in the last couple of weeks and uh, we'll be able to give the club sort of a, a good wedge of DVDs that they can use for the social medias yeah. and the likes. Be fantastic once that's uh, all Yeah, just, just going back to that, if anyone does have any, just uh, get in touch via our Twitter or the message board and give me a shout and I'll be in touch with them. Excellent. Um, okay, Dan, so that's uh, the news roundup done. Let's move on to reviewing the Scunthorpe United game. So, um, yeah, it's one of those games, isn't it? A 1-0 defeat sounds quite narrow. We, we probably had the better of the play, but it's just a poor result and a bit more incisive than the Cambridge game, away game, but not still not particularly great, was it? Scunthorpe probably did to us what we did to them at Glanford Park last yeah. season. Yeah, definitely. Basically. Two, two poor teams, one team slightly better, but not coming out on top. That's yeah, the yeah. To look at it. Um, picked out a few talking points in this game. Ugh, I feel bad bringing up his name again, but it's got to start with the John Mellish question again, isn't it? Because he, he's the one who's given the ball away in the lead-up to the goal. And yes, there is a bit more to happen from that point going forward, but because we're on the ascendancy and he gives the ball away in a key position, players are then out of position, get caught out. McDonald looks like he's out of position and... It almost looks like he's at fault, but actually, the position he's taken is probably the right one for the fact that we're on the front. Yeah, foot. I mean, it, it was it was a poor pass, wasn't it? And yeah. uh, Scunthorpe have turned the ball over very, very quickly and got up the pitch and took the chance. And you know, it's just it's just a shame that it happened to be Mellish who gave it away. You know, if it had been Guy off Urban, I don't think yeah. there'd been be as much sort of talk of it. But uh, no, it was. <laughs> Like like what we were saying, it's, is it maybe getting a little bit unfair on him? Yeah, you know? I, I think I'd agree. I mean, I was actually on BBC Radio Cymru after the game. I was on the fans panel and I did say this, I think, from what I remember what I said. I think I said, it, it's, it's not really fair on the lad. And you have to ask the question, should he maybe be taken out and we start using him a bit more sparingly in that role to start and just ease him into it rather than, I mean, Beach seems determined to just keep him in there and sort of push on through and go through these bad games and get him up to, to speed. But I, I think the problem also is who do we play there? It's true. I mean, Danny Devine came on and I actually think he did okay. I mean, it's only a short spell he was on in that game, but he looked a bit more in control than Mellish did. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see Josh Dixon have a game there. Obviously, I know yeah. he's getting close. I know he's been training with the youth team properly this week yeah. and he'll be, uh, he'll be back with the first team next week by all accounts. But it's a lot to ask for someone like Dixon to come straight back and straight in, isn't it? So. Yeah, it, it, it'll t- probably take a while for him to bed back into the first-team action, I would imagine. I'll also add that we, we, we will try and get through this episode without mentioning a name who plays that position. <laughs> don't, 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 don't. Cause I'm, yeah. I, the temptation's there, but we're not going to mention it. There still no. is an issue there, but let's just leave that for the episode. Let's hope that yeah. we get through the Barrow game and things are better and we can talk more positively. Because yeah. if because if it's the same again after the Barrow game, we will be discussing that next week. I can guarantee <laughs> you that, 100%. But yeah, I, I sort of agree. I think maybe we need to be bedding him in a little bit more rather than starting him in these games, uh, Mellish. Um, but we are low numbers in that area, I suppose. So maybe there's no choice really but to play him there. And to be fair, we have to point out that neither Guy or Thurman had particularly great games last week. So it's not Mellish alone that's been poor in that midfield. Um, I think Guy probably had arguably as poor a game as Mellish, but you don't notice him because he didn't make yeah, Me- the Mellish goal. Yeah, Mellish has took the headlines because yeah. he play- his pass led to the goal, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, Two more things I want to mention here. Um, Gavin Riley came on as a sub, 
playing alongside Coyote, but we just lumped the ball up to him. And it, I've, I've said this before, but I've got a real concern that we've signed a player here because we, cause we can, and we're not going to play to his strengths or use him. And lumping a long ball up to Gavin Riley is not going to do us any good. You want to get the ball on the floor and play, play him in behind and get him a chance to run onto the ball, don't you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously when we signed uh, Gavin Riley, a lot of fans watched his, his sort of showreel of goals and they're all, nearly all getting played into him. You know, he's, he, he, if, you want, if you want him to knock a ball long in the last 10 minutes, he's not the striker to play. If you want to start him and try and play him in behind the lines, brilliant. Uh, two more things, actually. I haven't put one of these down on the, the running order for you, Danny, to let it be played on a bit of insight. Um, first up, we'll put the one that is on the running order, Ethan Walker. Quite an impressive debut. Looks a, looks a decent signing then, doesn't he? Yeah, he's, uh, he's quite a big lad for his age. You know, Stocky, he's, he's, isn't he? He's essentially a first-year professional and he's, he's quite bulky when yeah. you maybe compare him to some of our lads. Yeah. And I think he'll be disappointed at not getting one of his shots away for a goal. It was a hell of a save, that first one, though, wasn't it? Yeah, like, it was, to be save. fair. But, uh, you know, he was probably one of the few bright sparks from the uh, yeah. the Scunthorpe game. It's interesting, James Phillips said it, it reminded him a little bit of Mighty Robson, the way he's up the stocky, pacey wing, and I'd probably agree with that. Maybe uh, Robson, obviously, was a bit more settled as a professional when he arrived at us. But, yeah. But, yeah, no, decent. Um, the other thing I want to bring up, and I've mentioned this after the game, a little bit of a concern for me, we're three games into the season, and late on in a game when we're chasing a game, I mean, he had Lewis Bell on the bench, young lad, tricky winger, could have created something for us. Beach's substitution was to take Tanner off and bring on Hunt, move Hayden to right back and Hunt to centre back, seemingly to have a bit of extra height for set pieces. That worries me that early on in the season, that's our main tactic to try and get back into a game. I don't know about you there, Dan, what your thoughts are. Yeah, it wasn't, I know it's, it wasn't the greatest of substitutions. I'd rather just, if you're going to do that, just stick a lad up front and yeah. boot it long to him, you know. Yeah, it's a strange one. And interestingly on Tanner, looked quite impressive at the start of pre-season. He's not really hit the ground running yet in the league, has he? It's it's Maybe he's a little bit nervous. He, it, in pre-season, he was taking on players and he was causing problems, but he seems a bit more cautious in the league games and he's playing the ball back a lot. Is that a tactic? I don't know, but... Yeah, I mean, it, it, could, it could be what he's getting asked to do, you know. Uh, yeah. I know there's obviously a, a pre-season games, there's a bit more fluidity, you know, you've got a bit more licence to yeah. to get about. But uh, no, like the the, uh, the South End game, I thought he came, came into it really well in the second half, but... Yeah. You know, it's still early days for some of these lads. So yeah, yeah, we got we, to be fair, we do have to give them time. I'll, I'll be fair on that, but obviously need to start picking up results quickly because it's going to be a, a tough season. I think this one. Yeah, but yeah. Okay, I think that rounds up uh, the Scunthorpe game. I don't really want to talk much more about it because it wasn't much fun to watch. Um, so let's uh, end part one there, Dan, and we'll be back in a minute, and we'll have part two where we'll look ahead to this weekend's game against Barrow. Yeah. 
Welcome back everyone, we're into part two now and it's time to look ahead to this weekend's game against Barrow, the first ever Cumbrian derby between the two sides. Let's give some context there Dan, because obviously people are like, wait hang on a second, haven't Barrow always been in Cumbria? But no they haven't. Uh, they only uh, became part of Cumbria, the town of Barrow, in uh, 1974 during the old Reform Act of all the uh, local councils. Uh, previously it was part of Lancashire wasn't it? So when we play, and they obviously were out of the league by the time, uh, well, no, in fact, did they leave, the, I can't remember exactly when did they leave the 72 league. 72 left the no, league. So they, so they had left the league by then. Workington had stayed a bit longer than them, I didn't realise that. Um, so yeah, previously when we last played them, which was in the 60s, I believe, um, they were a club from Lancashire, not a club from Cumbria. And you know how long it has been since that game, don't you, Dan? Yes, because I'm such a sad stator, man. By the time Saturday comes, it will be 20,624 days since the last time the two teams played in a full match. There you or, go. or 56 years, <laughs> 5 months and 17 days. So there you go. So uh, if uh, John Coleman or James Phillips are listening to us, that there's your fact for you. You can have that for free this weekend. There you go. So yeah, a couple more interesting facts uh, about Barrow for you, Dan. So... Uh, the one man I think has managed both clubs, and that's Andy Beatty. Um, he also famously managed Scotland at the 1954 World Cup in Switzerland, uh, which was described apparently the organisation ahead of that by the players as shambolic, which is a very typical Scotland, that isn't it? I suppose. Um, yeah. And uh, Barrow have been in existence for 119 years, a football club. How many managers do you think they've had in that time, Dan? You've seen this already, but if you were going to uh, guess. If you were going to guess, you would probably say 50 or 60, but... 77 different managers they've had in that time. Uh, like Some amount, isn't l- it? Less, less than two years on average per management spell, <laughs> which is amazing. You think back in the day, the managers used to last a long time, but at Barrow, yeah, yeah, seemingly yeah. not. But then again, anyone who's ever driven to Barrow before, I suppose people, if they've come from the outside, if they stay there for a year, they've probably had enough of it, haven't they, I guess? But... um. There you go. Um, so it's a big game. Uh, looking to bounce back from the Scunfork game against the Bluebirds. So let's look ahead. Uh, we'll look at what the, a bit about the visitors now. Uh, so they've uh, Barrow had a bit of a slow start to life back in League Two, uh, back in the Football League even, sorry. In the league so far, they've played three, drew two and lost one. Yet to keep a clean sheet, but they've only conceded four and uh, and scored in every game so far, despite missing their top scorer from last season, Scott Quigley, until last weekend. So they've, they've not started too badly in the league, have they? They've not setting you know set it on fire but they've not exactly looked terrible have they no i mean uh, the two home games stevenage and colchester they've uh, they've drawn yeah. they got beat at newport which uh, a lot of teams do you know it's uh, no disgrace go, and the, 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 i know i know we don't like really like the trophy but they only got beat 1-0 at blackpool in the trophy mm. which was uh, you know not not a bad and the, in the league, in the league cup as well, they drew nil nil with uh, Derby and only lost on penalties. That's yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So obviously, they've got a new manager this season, uh, David Dunn, a familiar name to football fans, former Blackburn Rovers, Birmingham, and England midfielder. I say England midfielder, they play one game for England, but um, yeah, replaced Ian Everett, who went to Bolton. He's not having a great time at Bolton, mind you. Everett is he so far? He's no, 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 not yet. Yeah, uh, his only previous manager experience was at Oldham, and also a. a Brief caretaker spell at Blackpool. Um, didn't last particularly long at Oldham, but then again, who has not, lasted Not many people Oldham, have in the last Oldham, few they? years, have they? Yeah, but he seems to be settling in fairly well at uh, Barrow. It probably as good an opportunity as he could have hoped for, really, uh, done. Um, there won't be massive expectations, obviously, with the current situation and then being back in the league. So he's probably got a bit more leeway to build things there, I guess. Um, 
Their summer signings included a, a very familiar face to us, obviously, Mike Jones. He's been a key player for them so far by the sounds of things. It's just the sort of signing they really needed coming into the league, isn't he? Yeah, it's pro- proper solid, League 2 experienced head. He'll just sit in the middle of the park, he'll do the job, and he'll do it with no fuss as well, Morty, which is the Mike Jones we- we've known over the last few seasons. You know that tomorrow he's going to put in a 7 out of 10 performance, isn't he, basically? Probably, like probably 8. <laughs> yeah, probably, well, yeah. At the very least, you'll get a 7 out of 10 from him, you know that. Yeah. Um, few of the signings they made in the summer Luke James uh, ex-Hartlepool well, he was a big things expected from him at one point wasn't there yeah, he it's, really it's, it's up a to strange it. one Luke James it's just it's never really happened for him has it you how, know? how old is he now I'm going to double check that now because he's you know he was I remember making his debut as a 17 year old at, um, Luke James is 25 year old only 25 he's 26 in November god that, it just you know, bear in mind, he's probably been playing nine years now in the league. and he, Yeah, he's yeah. He's just never quite kicked on, has he? But, but no, he's, he's been there before, I think, Barrow's and I think he had a loan spell then. He, yeah, he, he had a loan spell in 2018. I think he scored quite a few goals mm. uh, for them. Well thought, yeah. Um, also, Callum Gribbin, the ex-Man United youngster, he was quite a lot expected of him at Man United a few years ago, wasn't there? But never quite kicked on. Went to Sheffield United, found it tough to get in the team there, and has now come to Barrow and hoped to rebuild his career there. Yeah, he's he, he seemingly had a few uh, sort of problems that I won't go into because yeah. I don't fancy being sued. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he's he's on he's on the comeback trail, and uh, yeah, you know he's one of those. He's you know, if he takes his chance, he'll have a career in the game. Yep. And uh, Josh Lillis as well is the one that stood out for me as signings. A good experience keep, keep it to back up. I think it's Joel Dixon's their first choice, isn't he? He's been there a while now. Um, yeah. Uh, and the other thing that stands out for me is the two other ex-Blues in the team other than Mike Jones, Pat Bruff and uh, Connor Brown, who had a loan spell, I think, during the Graham Kavanagh season, didn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting name there. Um yeah, so uh, let's have a look at the team news for, for us for the game this weekend. Um, Torre and Patrick obviously missed the Scunthorpe game with uh, Knox. Um, sounds like Patrick probably won't be involved this weekend from what Beach has said. Yeah, it's, it's, he's been very coy about uh, what's exactly the problem and sort of time scales. You know, we, we, if you compare it to, say, Brennan Dickinson, straight away he said, you know, it's got to be longer term. And then December was mentioned, so... Yeah. I think I think the I think the hope in that it's not as bad as it appears, similar to Magnus Norman. Yeah, well, obviously Magnus Norman not quite fit enough, I think, to be involved yet with the team. But you'd imagine he might actually find it difficult to get in, even into the squad, because if Dewhurst's on loan, yeah, I imagine Sheffield United would be probably happy to have him on the bench at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, less clear on whether Toure will be involved. He just wasn't mentioned in the uh, previous well, thing. My, so I my, uh, my now weekly as the update. <laughs> I saw Gimme Toure in the vicinity of Asda a couple of days ago and he didn't appear to be limping, so hopefully I would, I would hopefully he'll be uh, available for the weekend. Well, he, he's become a key player already, hasn't he? Yeah. He'd hope he'd be involved. Because um, Alessandro sort of filled in one of the wing roles, didn't he, at the weekend and uh, did, it, did okay, but he just wasn't really involved enough maybe to justify starting. Yeah, he, so. I, don't, I, I think it's fair to say Alessandro's season hasn't really kick-started yet has it he's no, uh no. he's not really had much chance and when he has he's he's not really done much yeah obviously you mentioned the fact that arm is fit again uh to be involved um wasn't involved last weekend i think probably because of the uh the quotas you have to have with uh young players on the bench i think and things like that josh dixon you mentioned before training with the youth squad at the moment but hope to be back with the first team next week so that's, yeah that's good news 
Um, so bar that, there's no other injury updates we've got for this week, is there, by the looks of things? So hopefully a few more start to get back into the team squad uh, next week. Barrow, uh, not been able to find a huge amount of news about them. It's one of these ones we record in advance, so it's difficult really to, yeah. to know until Friday the, sometimes. As, as we were just saying, before we started recording, they've actually just signed a player as we, uh, as we record. And it's uh, Jan Zuma from Bolton, yeah. who's uh, his brother of Kurt, who's at yeah. Chelsea, and yeah. uh, could be on the move in the next few days. Yeah, so uh, so Jan Zuma, um, he will be straight into the squad for tomorrow. Uh, defender, I think he is, I believe. Um, yeah. So, be interesting to see whether he actually starts or not. Um, the other key thing for them is the fact that Scott Quigley played for them last weekend and got through that game no problem, and he's going to be the big threat, isn't he, I think, for them. He's- Definitely, yeah, he's... Very impressive last season. Twenty goals in thirty-seven games. His first season, he really had where he really excelled as a player. Didn't he? he was, I think, he was he was in non-league for a while. He was at the New Saints, I think, and he went to Blackpool. Never really hit it off there, but seemed to found a, a home at Barrow where he was settled, didn't he? Yeah, he's uh, he's. I, I know in the uh, the season preview, I actually highlighted him as one of those who who could score quite a few goals because he uh, he also takes penalties for them and. Like you say, he sort of potted around. He was at the New Saints for years, and he, since going to Barrow, he's really took his chance. And uh, mm. no, he's he's a big lad as well. He's about six foot three or four inch. Yeah, he's not, he's not small. Well, you say he's a big lad. It's interesting that um, when I was listening to BBC Radio coming after the game last week, one of their fans was on their fans panel, and they mentioned that apparently he didn't score a single header last season. Right. Incredible, you think of a big lad like that. He yeah, obviously takes yeah. penalties, but he didn't really score many headers. So yeah. interesting that one. Um, so yeah, that's that's the Barrow team news. Uh, let's have your predictions for this weekend, Don. Oh, I've got a feeling it'll be a draw. I'm, I'm, I think I agree with you there. I'm, I'm not convinced that we've I've, got enough I've to get a feeling to win. The, the teams might sort of cancel each other out a little bit. Okay, so you're going for a low-scoring draw, are you? Yeah, you I'll, and I'll say 1-1. One, one. Okay, I'm going to go for 2-2. Two, two. I think there'll be a fair few goals in this. Neither, neither side's been particularly good at keeping clean sheets this season. Uh, Barrow have scored in every game. Um, yeah, I just fancy a 2-2. And I think goals for us from, let's go, Ethan Walker. And I'm going to go for John Mellish again. I just, I just want him to get his goal. Give, give him a little confidence. Uh, I, 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 I didn't him say stick. goal scorer, did I? I'm going to yeah. say an Adam Header corner. Bang. Okay. Yeah. okay, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so that's the, the Barrow preview done. Um, let's do our brief update on uh, XCUFC players. There's not a huge amount to cover this week. It's been a little bit quieter, but you've got no, a few transfer just, bits. Uh, I've got one or two transfer bits. Uh, scorer of the greatest penalty in a shootout <laughs> ever away at Liverpool just over five years ago. Alexander McQueen has signed for Barnet in the uh, National League. He's been at Dagenham and Redbridge the last two seasons and he's, mm. he's scored quite a few goals. Well, I, I think, think he... he He's moved he's to midfield, mid- hasn't he? Yeah, yeah I think he was, he was playing right midfield for a bit, yeah. or right wing back, and uh, he scored one or two goals. But he, well, there's a talented lad who'd never really yeah, hit his he, potential. He's he? one of those who is definitely, I mean, the lad was at Tottenham, so he's obviously got something about yeah. him, but he just obviously seems happy sort of being on the uh, 
the non-league circuit in, in London, and he'll you, be getting paid a decent wage. I was going to say, you, you can make decent money if you're a young lad playing down there in London that way, can't you? Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. Obviously, depending on whether the National League returns, it's... You know, yeah, yeah, I mean, I've... I think I think they've uh, they've been assured the government will help them. So. Yeah. Well, interesting. You, you you mentioned the Liverpool game. There, just a quick one here, Dan. Before obviously we're, we're tight on time here. But I just wanted to cover this one. We, we didn't really talk about the fact it was five years since the Liverpool game the other week. I got memories of that game. I'm interested. I read one. Uh, Martin Howarth, who's a good friend of ours, a CUFC memorabilia collector. He was mentioning the fact that he he missed the Liverpool game because he was he went to the QPR game the Peter Army missed the Liverpool game because he had to work that evening and he was based down south and got me thinking is there any other big CUFC games you've missed and you've really gutted about it? Uh, I'll have to come back to you on that one. All right, well we'll maybe talk about that one in the next game. But yeah. for me, the one that stands out is well, there's two. There's the Wembley final the first time round. I missed that. And the Everton Cup game just after the floods a couple of few years ago. I missed that one because uh, I was helping my missus move down south because she was moving for a job at the time. Yes, I so remember I, that. I had yeah, to miss that one. Yeah. So I was quite gutted about that. But uh, not so gutted when the score happened and we lost 3-0 <laughs> yeah, yeah. quite comfortably. But there yeah. you go. Trying, trying to be clever with a box system of, was it 3-3-3-1? Yeah. Three, 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 yeah. Worked against Liverpool. Didn't quite work yeah. against Everton, I think it's yeah. fair to say. But yes, yeah, obviously... Back yeah, to back. transfers. Go on, uh, go on. For, former Sheffield United loanee to us, Reagan Slater's just yeah. joined Hull on loan for the season. Yeah. Uh, good move for him. Obviously, he's, he's been at ourselves and Scunthorpe for the last two seasons. Well, he's still only 20 years old. You forget he was only 18 when he joined yeah, him, didn't Yeah, I mean, this, this is uh, another step up for him, you know. Yeah. Hull, Hull should be at the top end of League One. Well, I saw that, um, uh, what's his name, Chris Wilder, the Sheffield United manager, did actually pick him up for praise in pre-season apparently apparently he was playing really well I think he played right wing back actually for them in pre-season right, in right. and he, yeah. he was very impressive how he played so clearly he's one that he sees for the first team in the future they just want to build him up slowly towards yeah him. yeah and then he, this, this looks like a classic example of a, a talented player mm. going out and getting proper games you know yeah. playing 20 30 40 games a season for two or three years will do wonders for well, him he'll, he'll have a what Pushing on eighty games under his belt now already. Yeah, yeah. So you know that that that'll do him a world of good, yeah. I suppose. But yeah, and the the, the, the next, on, next one's one that sort of raised an eyebrow with a few uh, CUFC fans on social media when the uh, the half hour wonder that was Arthur Gnauer yeah. signed for Bolton. Yeah, which. Uh, Raised, as I say, raised the odd eyebrow. Is he just a cheap option to pad out their squad a little bit? I suppose, and he, yeah, and by I all think, accounts, he has ability. He did well at Macclesfield last season, apparently. So. Yeah, I think I think he'll be a, a bench option and squad player mainly, but yeah. bit of pace you know, to throw in at the end of games. Yeah, he's, he's one of those. You know, he, he could he could end up playing, having a run, and doing the world of good. But yeah. So yeah. There's his transfers out of the way. There's one more little bit, uh, goal sort of related ones there. We didn't mention it in the preview about the Barrow game, but Mike Jones, what a goal he scored for Barrow last weekend. He, he doesn't do tappings, does he? He does not. You think that he scored three goals for us. I think he scored one in the FA Cup, one in the League Cup, and one in the League. And all three of them, the goal in the League Cup against uh, Derby was one for long range that Scott Carson probably should have saved for Derby. Yeah. Um, his goal against in the league was against Lincoln. Uh, that was one again along the floor from about 20 yards, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, his uh, goal against Dulwich Hamlet in the FA Cup last season was one of the goals of the tournament, wasn't it? Yeah, by a long way as well. It was a hell of a strike, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And obviously the one in for Barrow, he scored, uh, what, 25 yards into the top corner. Keeper I, had no chance. I was also looking at, like, obviously we always look at goal scorers. I think Jones was possibly the only ex-Carlisle player to score a goal last week. Yeah, it's, it's I, no, nobody else jumped out when I had a quick look. 
not sure if Joe Garner's kept his scoring streak up or not, but because he, he was scoring a few recently. But but yeah, um, but yeah. So that that runs up the XCFC stuff, and that pretty much rounds it up for this week. Dan, thanks again for joining me. No always, a, always appreciated. We are going to get around to recording that kit special soon, aren't we? Because you've started drafting it, and you're going to send it over to me, and we're going to yeah get yeah. something together. We'll we'll try and get that one out. And I have actually finally recorded the second part of the 0506 season special with Mike. We put that one together a couple of days ago, so. We'll get that one out to you soon. I'll need to edit the two episodes. It might take a little while, but hopefully I'll have that done. Um, so, yeah, uh, thanks once again for joining me, Dan. Uh, if you've got any comments or feedback or anything you'd like to suggest we discuss, please send them in via Twitter to at Brunton Bugle or by email to bruntonbugle at gmail.com. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast via all good podcast apps, including Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Please do also give us a review. Really appreciate the excellent feedback we've had so far. Um, I don't think I've got any new countries to add to the list, I'm afraid. No, no, and how, how, is, is your number in game going to be on point with this episode? It's, I believe this is episode 10. I don't yeah. think I've got that wrong. Are you, are you 100% on that one? You want to double-check yeah, that pre- one? Pretty but, sure, uh, pretty sure, yeah. In fact, you know what? I'm going to go in the analytics now. I'm on there now. Let me have a quick look and see if there are any new countries. might take a second to load up. Um, obviously, I, I, I can't remember if I mentioned it a, week, a few weeks ago, but my mate in, uh, in Nottingham was annoyed that I didn't mention the fact that he listens to it, so gave him a mention eventually. Um, no, it's all the usual suspects. We've got twelve listen uh, listens in Vietnam now. That's the that's, that's fourth on the list. Wow, Vietnam Blues. There you go. Um, and the most recent one's Turkey. I think we mentioned Turkey, didn't we? So there's nothing new to add there. I do, I do wonder if maybe some of the uh, the Mediterranean ones are maybe people on holidays. I have a, I have a feeling they are. I think Loun- are. lounging by the pool, listening to our dulcet tones. Indeed. What, what what better way to enjoy the sun? Have a cosmopolitan on us. <laughs> yeah. Have a choo on me. Yeah. But there you go. So that's it, Dan. Uh, thanks again for joining me. Uh, hopefully we'll be celebrating three points against uh, that lot down the A595 uh, next week. And we'll be back again for to look ahead to the uh, next game next weekend. Cheers, Dan. And up, up the, the blues. blues.